Welcome to the podcast, where you will learn everything you need to be a successful student at any level of academic study. Listen each week as I interview experts, leaders, and students. If you are studying or thinking about it, you will need practical tips, techniques, coaching, and support to help you get finished and be successful. While you're listening, please take a moment to rate and review the show. Links and info are always in the show notes. So join me now as you listen in, learn, take action, and succeed. Good afternoon, everybody, and a very warm welcome to Natasha Frank, who joins us again and back by popular demand, I would say. And today's topic is going to be all about uh, emotional intelligence and uh, self-awareness. Very important topic. And I think what we learned from last time, and Natasha, I believe the webinar was shared sort of almost around the world. Uh, So it seems like (laughs) just something that everybody's grappling with. So, uh, yeah, Natasha, how are you doing today? I'm very well. Thanks so much for having me again, Peter. And I'm excited to be talking um, on this topic. And I'm also glad to hear that it's been beneficial for those who've listened and watched. Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. So, um, guys, as Natasha has said, uh, it is certainly beneficial for people. And uh, we're talking emotional intelligence and self-awareness today. So please do just let us know what exactly, you know, you're you know, thinking about in terms of, of these topics today. Uh, and specifically how you'd apply that to how you want to be successful, how you want to change your life, how you want to, whether it's get a job, finish your degree, just relate better to people around you, manage your relationships, be more stable and, and stress relieved in your own life. I guess sometimes that's, you know, the simple uh, result, Natasha, that, uh, you know, that people are looking for. So, Natasha, I mean, you've got some wonderful slides and I think it's, you know, we must just get into it and just start getting the discussion going. I know we're going to have a bit of an exercise just now where people can contribute in and, and tell us how they're feeling and then you're going to do a bit of an on-the-spot analysis of that and give everybody <laughs> some real and tangible tips to help increase their level of emotional intelligence. But, guys, please do just let us know in the chat how you're doing, where you're coming from, and uh, what specific questions you have from uh, Natasha. Uh, Natasha is a registered psychometrist, career coach, and expert in emotional intelligence, so you really are privileged to have her here uh, for an hour and make her time available. So, Natasha, over to you. And, I mean, let's just dive right in, tee this topic up for us. You know, we, I think we, we dealt with emotional intellig- intelligence in sort of broader terms last time. And we said, okay, let's let's have a couple of subsequent sessions to go into a little bit more detail. And in that context, you know, give us then a sense of what people can expect, you know, if they stick around for for today's learning your lunchtime hours webinar. So I think exactly that, Peter. Um, when I, you know, reflected a little bit more on the webinar that we did two weeks ago, and um, I thought through some of the conversation that was had and the questions that was that was coming through on the chat. I was reminded very quickly of just how vast this particular topic is. And I mean, we touched on a couple of different things um, because there are links of emotional intelligence to aspects of mental health, physical health. Um, you know, we had some questions pertaining to motivation, and I think. Yes, the topic is really broad, um, but for the purposes of today, and I think also just to make it so tangible, and what's really important about emotional intelligence is focusing on the self, because it is important to start 
with the self before we can then look at our interactions with others. We need to be able to manage our own emotions before we can even begin to really grapple um, and empathize and try to understand the emotions of others. So yeah, today is really just all about looking inwardly, some introspection and um, getting more in touch and connecting with our own emotions. Brilliant, Natasha. I think I need a lot of that. I'm looking forward to a week's leave next week. Um, mm -hmm. So uh, I'll, I'll have a lot of opportunity <laughs> to apply what I'm learning today from you. So I'm, I'm especially excited um, just to kind of just center, you know, you get so distracted by the disruptive and busy world of work and careers and studies that pulls you in so many different directions, never mind family and, you know, siblings and children and spouses and so on. Um, you do often need to realize that you've got to kind of look after yourself in order to be useful and helpful to everybody else and to then be successful in those different um, areas of your life. All right. So, um, Natasha, I'm just going to stick our slides up there. And I've asked everybody to pop any questions in the chat. It looks like we've got a decent group this morning, which is absolutely fantastic. So why don't we, uh, why don't we just get into it then this morning and take us through what you've got uh, prepared for us? Okay, fantastic. So I think, you know, also just recapping on um, some of the discussion from two weeks back, I know we looked at emotional intelligence as a contributor to, you know, success, being able to achieve some of our personal and professional goals. And when we talk about emotional intelligence, the term is not a paradox, right? <laughs> it's, it is our capacity to be able to blend our thinking and feeling. And as a psychometrist, having worked in graduate development for more than a decade, I've seen just how important harnessing EQ is in the world of work, because you need to have the ability to understand social interactions and to solve um, complex social problems. So it's, it takes being able to read others, but more importantly, being able to understand ourselves. So I think if we um, if we go to the first, well, the next the next slide, uh, Peter. There's a there's a there's a bit of an activity I think for people who are on the who are joining now. Um, if you look at the top of the slide, there should be um, there's a there's a link there to to a site. And if you use the code, we actually have a question for you. Um, I think it's also just an opportunity for since we're talking about emotional intelligence today, right? An opportunity for us to just take a moment to stop to sort of bring ourselves into the space. And the question that we're asking all of you joining today is, how do you feel today? So um, head over to www.menti.com and use the code provided. And we'd love to just, yeah, yeah, yeah. How are you feeling? How are you feeling today? And I How guess are you feeling today? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm certainly going to go in there and, and pop in my obviously anonymous sort of uh, sense of how I'm feeling today. Yes. Um, but I think this is obviously just such an important part of, you know, that, that diagnosis stage and contributing to a group activity like this is to take action. And then GATT gives us data and, you know, we can use that um, and then start to understand, you know, what that looks like as a group or for an individual and then sort of really gives us insights um into that so i'm just going to uh start looking at the results hopefully that we've got here so please if you guys can all just make sure that you do hit that link and uh go in there and give us the uh updates then we can start to share uh the word cloud as those uh themes are coming through there so if i'm going to just quickly grab that i think i put the link in the chat there 
So I'm going to go and grab that screen quickly. And um, Natasha, just explain to us this uh, system and process. Have you used it in groups before and the mechanism and the insights that it gives you? Maybe just give us a little bit of context on that as I'm grabbing this uh, screen quickly. Yeah, so I mean, I've definitely sort of uh, used um, this this mechanism before for various things, you know, sometimes some voting, live polls, word clouds are really great. But I think in this world of virtual and online webinars, it just offers an opportunity for us to connect in another way for us to be able to interact. Um, you know, if we were in, 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 in kind of a face to face setting, we could definitely have some group discussions around this. Um, but yeah, it's also just lovely in that it's a visual um, real-time tool and we can actually see some of the responses coming through which is which is fantastic and for those of you who maybe aren't totally familiar with word clouds you know the bigger the word is um, or as it grows it's really just speaks to more people feeling that particular um, that that feeling and it's I think this is yeah, I'm sorry. Go for it, no, wonderful tool, Natasha. And I mean, as you were saying that, I'm just seeing anxious in the middle there is quite large. So that sort of indicates that we've got consistently more people putting that word in there. Although it looks like it's getting a little bit smaller as people are, you know, putting their words in as well. So really great to see people taking action and contributing to this uh, activity. But Natasha, you know, perhaps you want to have a look at this word cloud now and give us your your expert sort of insights. So, you know, the one thing I'm, I'm maybe encouraged when I actually look at, um, when I'm looking at some of the responses, and some of them are quite small, so I'm not able to see all of them, but I am seeing variation, right, which is, which is, which is nice, and people also being able to use words that they're comfortable with to describe their emotions, and this really is sort of a first step in becoming more emotionally self-aware because I think like we spoke about last time, we actually chatted around um, our limited vocabulary when it comes to being able to describe our emotions. And it's nice to be able to see some of the variation um, come through. So yeah, I mean, we're seeing we're seeing the word for me. I think because it's quite small, I can see I can see anxious being one of the bigger words. But I also see content. I see happy. I see relaxed. I see a couple of people talking about just um, too much of a workload. So maybe speaking to being overwhelmed. And I guess you know, I think the other thing that we touched on is that there isn't good or bad emotions positive or negative emotions. It's really around, um, I guess, the, the appropriacy of emotions. And sometimes when we label certain emotions good or bad, particularly bad emotions, things like maybe anger or sometimes sadness, because it's just emotions that we're uncomfortable feeling. But yeah, looking, looking at this word cloud, I am encouraged that there is some variation um, and I'd love to chat through maybe more around what, what different people are feeling and maybe we can even speak to some of some of the anxiety um, mm. that we're seeing come, come through. Yeah, I mean, in your daily sort of coaching and support to students, and I know we spoke previously, you know, you've been running a Make a Difference Mondays, and I'd love to hear if people have taken you up on that. But in some of those sort of one-on-one -on -one sessions that you've had, you know, Natasha, with people, where is the correlation with perhaps the, the sort of the anxiousness? Maybe let's just start with that and then maybe, you know, pick up on a couple of the others, which I thought was quite interesting. Relief from a busy week, optimism, 
face palm. Uh, you know, this is quite a, a range of uh, you know feelings coming through here. But the anxiousness, are you seeing any patterns in your consulting practice? Look, I mean, I think definitely, definitely, Peter. And we look at, you know, the pandemic being a, a contributing factor. People have been affected in one way or another, um, you know, either either having been sick at some point themselves, having loved ones um, ill with the virus, people have lost loved ones. And then there's also the economic impact, right, of um, people having lost jobs. Um, and then we add just the other things that are going on in our lives, like exams, assignments, um, just this feeling of all the other things that we've got to do. And I think the biggest thing that, um, one of the bigger things that the pandemic has introduced is this, feeling of isolation and being lonely and often social interaction is one of the um one of the tools that people heavily rely on in terms of being able to manage and deal with with their stress so yes definitely you know sort of more feelings of anxiety that's been exacerbated by the effects of the pandemic and the restrictions of the lockdown yeah, and, and just really great, I think, for us all to have an opportunity to connect like this as we do every Friday um, at lunchtime and just reach out to each other and sort of, you know, um, get a, a check-in and a sense of, of, of where everyone is. And this word cloud is just such a powerful way of doing that. Um, I'm just picking up here a couple of other interesting topics. So disorganized, for example, and then regret. And I know in the webinar that we ran last week, you know, those were themes that came through in terms of the procrastination and the mm -hmm. challenge that people are having in terms of actually knuckling down and getting their work done and not being able to overcome sort of some of those mental states and emotional challenges that they're having to actually, you know, focus enough to meet their deliverables and their assignments, etc. So I think what's great, Natasha, is between you and I, you know, you bring that sort of counseling understanding and insights and knowledge about the science of emotional intelligence and certainly where for example last week I spent some time with everybody was on the practical actions and, and ways of getting organized that they can take that I would suggest sometimes also feeds back in to helping them you know restore um, you know their emotional state once they start getting some progress and start overcoming their uh, procrastination etc. Um, Natasha I'm also seeing here um, sad and worried, but hopeful and optimistic. So there's obviously a, a, a blend. There's a spectrum of, 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 of challenges that people are having in terms of how they're feeling. Yeah, that's it. And, you know, this is sort of the first part, right? Being able to, when we spoke about RULA about two weeks ago, the acronym to be able to help us become more emotionally aware. This is around recognizing that I am having an emotional response to things going on in my life. The other part is being able to understand and ask the question, why? Um, you know, why might you be feeling anxious? It, and, and there's so many different responses to that, but it is around being able to take the time, create the space and time to understand and label the emotions, um, the feelings, and yeah, that 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 one is feeling. And I think you know the other thing, Peter. The good news about emotional intelligence is it is is that it is a skill. It's something that we can work on if we're intentional about growing it. Um, it's definitely something that we can improve. And I'm by no means sort of any expert in terms of my journey with emotional intelligence, because just like everyone else, I'm grappling with 
with stuff, right? I'm I'm grappling with um, trying to be more organized on some days. I'm definitely grappling with carving out space and time to be more present in my in my everyday life. So I, we're all on a journey, and I think the the good news is is that it's a skill. But because we're on a journey and we're grappling with these things together, we can definitely come alongside each other and support each other in this journey to improve our emotional intelligence. That's fantastic, Natasha. And it sort of touches on this question from Uzi there. And I think we've got some great questions in the chat. But, you know, he asked, can someone master emotional intelligence or is it an ongoing process? And Natasha, I know that perhaps will lead us into, you know, some of the other content that you've got prepared for us. But just to quickly touch on what you mentioned previously that, you know, in the previous decades, we've been very focused on IQ and this idea that you can improve your IQ and, and, and there's the sort of the the intellectual sort of aspects of intelligence and that had been a big focus and EQ and emotional intelligence has sort of more recently become um, a little bit more of a focus with this idea that we can improve it, we can use it as a skill to improve our success and whatever it is that we're trying to achieve in life. So Natasha, your answers and thoughts for, for Muzi here? So Muzi, definitely you can um, work at mastering emotional intelligence in your own life and Similarly, it is an ongoing process because it um, because it's something that isn't static and it fluctuates. It's really influenced by whatever is going on in our life at any given time. Um, so, you know, if we had to um, complete an emotional intelligence psychometric assessment today and look at your results and um, having sort of examined and come up with some action points after looking at those results. If you are intentional about working on certain aspects, we could probably do that assessment again in two months time and we would actually start to see the improvement. So definitely not static, something you can work on and it is a lifelong process. And honestly speaking, when you just think, you know what, I've actually gotten this aspect of emotional intelligence down, life happens and there's another aspect that you've got to work on. So we've never arrived, but we can definitely strive to improve. Fantastic. Okay, great. Um, Natasha, so yeah, let's uh, let's keep going and let's just talk about the link then. I mean, as we've got up there on the screen, um, you know, your thoughts now as we get into, I mean, this fantastic topic of emotional intelligence as applied to this very important idea of self-awareness. You know, so we've looked at the word cloud, we've got a sense of the group, and I think everybody's had a chance to, you know, put their feelings into that tool. And even just the act of typing that in, you know, just really helps them actualize what it is that they're feeling. And I guess that's a first small step on the process of emotional intelligence. So now, Natasha, take us into, you know, the insights that you've got prepared for us today in, in terms of the link between these different aspects. Okay, so, I mean, I think when we when we chatted two weeks ago, some of these some of these concepts and questions actually came up, and it got me thinking. Right, that there's definitely a link um, between emotional intelligence and some of these things. Well, all of these things actually listed um, on this particular slide. So one of the things that I wanted to maybe clarify, right, is emotions and feelings. The term emotions and feelings are often used interchangeably, but they really aren't the same thing. So I very quickly wanted to make a distinction between emotions, feelings, and mood. So emotions are actually chemicals in response, well, chemicals that our brain releases in response to a specific trigger. 
And it takes, and this happens really quickly, right? So it takes our brain about a quarter of a second to identify the trigger and about another quarter of a second to produce the chemicals that are then released into our brain and into the rest of our body. And when we talk about a trigger, this trigger could be anything, right? So you could be going for a walk and maybe like 20 meters um, ahead of you, you see a stick. And for you, that could be a trigger. Perhaps you think, hey, maybe it's a snake and your brain makes that connection and it releases um, these chemicals potentially associated to fear because you're afraid of snakes. Somebody else could actually see um, a stick as they're walking walking ahead and they go, hey, well, that's actually quite a cool stick I could pick up and my dog loves to play fetch. So a different kind of trigger and a different response. So again, emotions are just chemicals that our brain releases in response to triggers that we, um, that we process through our senses, typically our eyes or our ears. Now feelings are the meaning that we assign to those triggers. So it's the meaning that our brain actually gives an emotion. So feelings are actually more cognitively saturated um, as we integrate that emotional information um, into our brain and into our bodies. And feelings are sparked by emotions but they're colored by our thoughts, our memories, things that we see, things that we hear, and they've actually become subconsciously linked to a particular um, emotion. So, you know, it, it, it's really interesting, right? You may smell something and you'll remember perhaps something from your childhood or you'll hear a song and you'll remember a time in your past. Um, these, are, these are sort of those feelings that have been encoded into our emotional uh, memory. So this is sort of why I say that feelings are sparked by emotions, but they're colored by our memories and our thoughts and our very unique individual experiences. So when we talk about mood, mood is something that's more generalized because it's actually a mix of our feelings and emotions. They're not tied to a specific event and they're influenced by several different factors. Our mood's influenced by our environment, um, the weather, our physiology, um, our nutrition. Um, it's also influenced by our mental state. So the, the current set of circumstances or events that we choose to focus on. So that's just um, a bit of a distinction around feelings, emotions, and mood. And I see there's a question here. Um, mm. Nombolela. Do you want to read that out for us, Natasha, just in case people are listening on the podcast? And just while Natasha was talking about going for a walk, it triggered a reminder to me that uh, uh, we have a wonderful Student Success Coach podcast. And if you do like to go for a walk and listen to podcasts, you can stick your earphones in there and, and listen to inspiring stories of other successful students on the podcast. And I'll put the link into the chat there just now. Um, but Natasha, do you want to read that question out there, just in case anybody is listening to this today? Um, so that they've got that and then you want to go into a bit of an answer for, for Nombolelo. Yeah. So how does one regulate their uncomfortable emotions, anger, sadness, anxiety, etc., in the workplace and in relationships as opposed to suppressing them? Right. So <clears throat> I guess, you know, one of the things that, um, that I should mention is that so we have our emotion, which is this chemical, and then we've got our feeling, which is an assigned meaning. And the thing I also want to make clear is that our feelings and our emotions are actually just information, right? If we think about it in this context, it's information that our brain is giving us. Um, it's not always permission to act. Just because we feel something, it doesn't necessarily mean that 
that it's it's just you know it's permission to do whatever we want with that feeling but in the same breath and i think we spoke about this before right it's also not um healthy to suppress those emotions and part of becoming more emotionally intelligent is firstly having the awareness to be able to understand what is this emotion that i'm feeling and why am i feeling this emotion and when we start to ask some of those questions we're then actually moving into a space of logical reasoning because we're trying to work out what is actually going on for me and what is the appropriate course of action in this particular circumstance right and anger for you or sadness or whatever the case might be in that particular situation may be uncomfortable but it doesn't mean that anger in every situation is uncomfortable because in the right situation at the right time under the right circumstances anger could actually be an appropriate response to a particular event um and this is why i talk about having this extended vocabulary about what is actually going on for us emotionally so that we become more comfortable with what we're feeling because yes it definitely feels more comfortable to feel things like joy and contentment um and and love and those sorts of things but it is growing more comfortable with the so-called uncomfortable in um uncomfortable feelings and crafting what is the appropriate response in that situation Peter, I'm not actually sure. I, I kind of lost audio. Tash, I'm here. I'm here. Um, ah, apologies. here we go. Got you loud and clear. So, Tash, let's talk about stress now. And I think, I mean, this is just, uh, you know, as we're talking about, uh, you know, being in control or not in control of your emotions and your response to, you know, your lived experience and then your ability or lack of ability to think, you know, logically and control your actions, etc. I mean, stress came up in the word cloud just now. Um, you know, your thoughts now in, in, in terms of stress and what people maybe are feeling and, and how you link that to emotional intelligence and the skill of managing those emotions? So, I mean, I think, and, and why I've mentioned this concept of stress, right, is because stress is part of our everyday life and we kind of make the distinction between acute stress and chronic, and chronic stress. And the thing is, stress is part of our everyday life. There's, there's different um, intensities at which we experience stress. And when we're actually going through something really stressful, it actually diminishes our overall emotionally intelligent 
um, skill set. So definitely has an impact on us being able to work on our emotional intelligence. And this is why it is so important to have um, an awareness of the stress going on in your life and actually having some stress management strategies in place to help you deal with that stress. So, I mean, on the slide here, I've, I've, I've mentioned, you know, when you are excessively stressed, you can lose control of your emotions and the ability to think logically. So if you think about a time when stress has um, overwhelmed you, was it easy to think clearly or make rational um, or make a rational decision? And research studies suggest that emotional intelligence may actually work as a stress buffer. So, I mean, when we're confronted with a stressor, our brain initiates what we call a flight or fight response. And then it shuts off that flight or fight response when the stressor is no longer there, when the stressor ceases. So the extent to which um, an individual responds to a stressor, which is called our stress reactivity, is quite an important indicator of our psychological functioning. And clearly we need some reactivity in our lives because it's it's necessary for um, for survival. However, though, when we um, when there's sort of hyper reactivity to stress, that's actually when it becomes detrimental very quickly. And, um, you know, we kind of talk about this ability of people being able to bounce back and, and quickly recover from stress. And that and that sort of is in terms of emotional intelligence, that's definitely more adaptive to being able to limit sort of unnecessary exposure to the detrimental effects of um, of of this flight or fight response. So there's this picture of a dog up on the screen, right? And I wanted to share um, a little bit of a story. So this animal for a long time was actually my arch enemy. So we'd actually known each other for a number of years and for the most part stayed out of each other's way until a Saturday morning when my husband and I went for a run. And as I was circling back home, my husband was about 100 meters ahead of me. Um, someone had pulled up in front of our neighbor's driveway and they naturally opened up their remote control gate to let the visitor in, but not realizing that the dog had gotten out. So I'm sure you could imagine where I'm going with this in terms of my story. This dog came out and was charging at me. And I remembered that, you know, if my husband would always say, if a dog chases you, don't keep running, just stop um, because it's going to chase you with even more fervor. So I stopped and tried to stand my ground, but I didn't do that quite effectively um, because this dog, dog was snarling and lunging forward um, to attack me. And in that moment, I was just like frozen. I was gripped with fear and I stood there screaming. Um, thankfully, my husband had heard me and he had quickly turned around, came back running much like the flash <laughs> and valiantly charged this hound back into our neighbor's property. But I must admit, if my hubby was not around that day, I'm certain I probably would have been attacked by this dog. And after that scary encounter, I actually stopped running for quite a while and I definitely wouldn't go running without my husband and every time I saw that dog like my heart would thump violently in my chest and I would start to feel paralyzed all over again so why am I sharing this seemingly random story with everyone joining today reason is because right now in your brain there are two systems operating simultaneously the rational brain and the emotional brain 
Now, the emotional brain holds all of our emotional memory and also this flight or fight response that I mentioned. So this is the part of your brain that instinctually responds to protect you when it perceives danger. This is necessary and helpful when you are actually in physical danger, but it's not so helpful when you have to attend an interview or maybe present that team project because this part of the brain cannot distinguish between an actual physical threat and a perceived emotional threat. So when we're, when, when we're fearful of an emotional threat, like being humiliated in a meeting, feeling rejected by someone, experiencing failure over a particular task, we actually have the same emotional response as being chased by a wild animal. And when we get into that flight or fight state, we either attack, we withdraw, or we just shut down in order to be able to defend and protect ourselves. And in that moment, we lose our emotional intelligence. And I spoke about this, you know, sort of last week. Well, then how do we actually get back into the rational brain? How do we move from our emotional brain into our rational brain? And one of the key things is just being able to create some time and space. So actually being able to breathe. Because when you're in this space of physical danger, blood rushes from your brain to your feet, getting ready to either fight or run away. And when we breathe, we're actually allowing the oxygen to come back into our brain to then be able to engage our logical reasoning, to think about, um, okay, I've prepared for this interview. I've done X, Y, Z. Um, you know, it's kind of getting yourself back into that logical space. Yes, I am feeling nervous, but these are the mechanisms I've put in place to be, to, to be able to handle this, um, this stressful situation. So, yes, when we talk about stress, it is important to understand that we do perceive emotional threats all the time, but we have to be able to reality test what that is actually about to craft an, an appropriate response. Got it, got it. Natasha, thank you for sharing that. And I mean, I certainly have had a similar experience and uh, what I, you know, would relate to when you were talking about that was, you know, these sort of post-traumatic stress disorder of where you associate a physical place or a person or, as you say, a smell or something that can then be a trigger and a reminder of that stressful situation that you were in once again you know, taking you back to that same state of mind and the same sort of difficulty in responding to it um, in, in, you know, sort of different ways as you've sort of described to us just now. So thank you for that, Natasha. Really appreciate that. Um, okay, so Natasha, now, I mean, so brilliant sort of tee up and so we've got these concepts now and I really like that idea of, you know, the emotion and the feelings and information and how the brain works and that's, I think, incredibly useful for everybody today. Let's go then into this idea of, of self-intelligence and this idea of the inner self that you've got sort of up there on the screen and the lovely picture of the smaller dog there, <laughs> perhaps a, a sort of a, a different association there to the previous one. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, today really is about self-perception and when we, and, and that's actually what we want to focus on. And when we talk about self-perception, simply put, it's really just how do I see myself? Right. And this this particular this this definition sort of speaks to um, being more in touch with with your inner self, um, how good you feel about yourself. So knowing yourself, liking yourself, um, 
and having a sense of what you're actually doing in life and we'll we'll tackle each of these each of these aspects so when we talk about emotional self awareness this um this 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 realm of self perception encompasses emotional emotional self awareness and success in this particular area means that you are aware of your feelings you feel strong and you have confidence in pursuing your your life goals and you know emotional self awareness is the first pillar of emotional intelligence it's really that foundation that we build everything on when it comes to um when it comes to emotional intelligence and you know while awareness is being is having an understanding of what is happening around you emotional self awareness is about knowing what you're experiencing it and why and i also want to say that the goal of emotional self awareness is not about overly analyzing your emotions but it's just about being conscious um about what you're feeling and why you're feeling that that way so yeah i mean like it was just sort of a humorous picture you know it, this the dog looks at looks at the shadow and he goes like oh i'm batman <laughs> but <laughs> this the sense of self perception is having an accurate um and realistic view of who we are okay brilliant natasha so just we sort of halfway through got sort of 20 minutes left and theo is just saying this lecture is one our hearts so wow I, you know <laughs> i think uh, just we we do touch on some wonderful topics every friday at lunchtime and i'm always just so thrilled to get feedback like this and i've put natasha's details into the chat so you can hop on her website and find out more about what she offers and invest in some consulting with natasha and see the benefits of that improvement in your life as it relates to studies or your career and uh, you know previously we've gone into a little bit more detail around what natasha you know does provide but all the information um is available um on her website. So Natasha then I mean let's then start getting a little bit more practical and give people some some tips and tricks about what they can actually do and uh, I mean you've got some great pictures up here and uh, I, when I first saw that slide you know I I thought the answer is to eat more chocolate and I thought yes you know that's me um I'm all in <laughs> I can I can improve my emotional intelligence because I love chocolate. but somehow i don't think that's necessarily the the sort of simplistic answer there um but let's you know over the next few slides you know give us some practical steps that people can take action after this webinar to improve their emotional intelligence improve you know their success in life and anything you know that they're busy tackling at the moment Yeah so I mean you know today we're focusing specifically on self perception um how how we see ourselves how we manage our emotions etc but emotional intelligence is so broad and really vast and there's there's a whole lot of other aspects you know there's kind of the the self awareness there's and then and then there's you know the there's the social awareness our awareness of others how we use emotional information to make decisions um how we manage stress in our life but Yeah, you know, we can go we can go really broad, but I think for the purposes of today we really just wanted to focus on self-perception and there these are just three things that you can do, right? But there are there are other things and it's around I think also sometimes experimenting and finding what really works for you. So in terms of um self-perception, one of the aspects around being able to improve how we see ourselves is recognizing and understanding um understanding our feelings so the three things that we've mentioned there the first thing is really just around being able to connect to your emotions and i think that's actually how we started off the webinar right peter we asked people mm. to tell us how are you feeling and in our last webinar we spoke about the influence of our family of origin and this 
is really something I would like people to think on um, is the role that emotions, feelings played in your family growing up, because this really influences your connection to your emotions um, right now. So when we talk about connecting to our emotions, it's actually taking a moment to also think about well, what role did my family of origin play in how I connect with my emotions. And, you know, in the field of psychology, there's stuff around attachment theory that also suggests that your current emotional experience is likely a reflection of your early emotional experience. So this goes back to the family of origin, the emotional attachment that you had to primary caregivers. Um, really just, I think for yourself, thinking on that, reflecting on that, unpacking that. And there's a couple of questions here that I'd like to pose to you to maybe help you with that journey. So do you experience emotions that flow? Are you able to kind of experience, you know, one emotion to the next, to the next, as you move through different events in your day or in your life? Um, are your emotions accompanied by a physical sensation that you actually feel in your chest or your stomach or your throat or your or your neck? Or, you know, are your emotions um, accompanied by physical physical sensations? Do you experience individual emotions such as anger, sadness, fear, joy, um, with each of these sort of being evident in subtle facial expressions? Do you experience intense feelings that are strong enough to um, capture your attention? Do you pay attention to your emotions? Do you factor um, emotions into your decision making? So if any of these questions that I've posed um, sort of unfamiliar to you, this is an indication that you may have turned down or turned off your emotions. And when we talk about connecting with emotions, sometimes that first step might be starting to remove that wall that's a bit of a, um, that that's sort of up there that you keep hitting your head against when we talk about being able to connect um to connect with with your emotions so that's sort of you know the, the one aspect in terms of being able to get more in touch with your emotions and then you know the other thing that we spoke about again that acronym that we mentioned um ruler and sometimes i i talk to people around you know being able to keep a journal um for yourself just documenting some of these things down in your day things that stand out and you know there could even just be, you know, when you go to bed at night, just asking yourself, you know, how did I feel today? What actually stands out for me? And um, our emotions, are, a lot of our memory is actually linked to our emotions. So if I had to ask you to reflect on, you know, how was your week? Tell me about your week. More likely than not, you're going to recall events that had some kind of emotional connection, whether it was stress or happiness or sadness but there is definitely a connection between our memory and um and our emotions so yeah the first thing is putting steps in place to become more connected to our emotions mm. natasha brilliant and i did put a comment there just now from theo saying that you've nailed the explanation great question here from kuval um, and then we've got two more sort of practical um, application type of slides that we'll get into. But uh, the question here is, are stuck emotions an indication of emotional healing that still needs to occur from past situations in your life? 
So, look, I mean, I there's there's sort of what we talk about a corrective emotional experience. Um, maybe more from a from a psychoanalytical school of thought, but you know, without getting into I guess into the therapeutic side of things, which is out of scope of practice for me, a simple answer, Kaval, would be there is there is um, some emotional, from what it sounds like, there is some emotional healing that needs to take place. And when we talk about this corrective emotional experience, it is being able to go back and deal with this particular emotion that seems to have that individual stuck um, or hindering them from being able to to move on. And you know, Peter, what you mentioned was when I was talking um, about some of these triggers and when we link it to things like post-traumatic stress etc and being able and you know constantly going back and reliving um, an experience the thing with emotions being a chemical response and our brain assigning meaning to that feeling is we talk about this hard wiring of emotions so the thing is when you experience something for the first time there is a hard wiring of that emotion and this is often why we go back and we relive an experience. And, um, you know, from what I understand, there isn't a way to really remove that hard wiring. But what we actually do is we keep laying on new maps to say that every time I see a stick as I'm walking, it's not necessarily a snake. It is constantly um, layering on new maps so that even if I have that instinctual response, I can tap into the logical part of my brain to introduce um, some reality testing to get to the right to the right answer. Brilliant, thank you, Natasha. Um, let's look then at uh, you know some of these possibly more sort of practical, action-oriented sort of type of um, aspects. So, so Natasha, I mean, I love this. Know and like who you are. I mean, that sort of you know just accepting yourself and maybe i mean i saw on the word cloud previously you know, at the beginning of the webinar people were talking about regret and 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 sometimes you know we can be too hard on ourselves and we we exacerbate and we overemphasize you know those past experiences and failures potentially that keeps cropping up again which you've sort of spoken about just now but part of that and the practical approach to relayering our perception to some of those i think you've sort of you know got some thoughts on on this slide over here yeah so emotional self-awareness is definitely one of the building blocks of emotional intelligence but when we talk about emotional intelligence more broadly there is this concept of harmony and balance right because like i said emotional self-awareness the goal of it is not to be overly analyzing our emotions um and because this field of emotional intelligence is relatively new in comparison to other psychological uh, constructs like cognitive intelligence and personality. Because emotional intelligence is quite a young field of study, um, and I think in the in the in the in the 90s when the concept was introduced, there was a lot of unbridled fervor, and we're still researching the field. And there's a lot of new research coming up. And um, I think you know, just coming back to what you've spoken about. Here, Peter, emotional self-awareness, there's definitely a place for it, but it's got to be held in balance with emotional uh, regulation and social awareness. And all of these things work together. So we can't um, only pay attention to one aspect. So in terms of this notion of self-perception, 
one of the other elements is about knowing and liking who you are. And the three areas that I mentioned there is firstly having an awareness of your strengths and weaknesses. Um, because, you know, this question often comes up in an interview, um, maybe when you're submitting an application for a bursary or a scholarship, you know, and it's asked in different ways, you know, tell us a little bit about your strengths or what are you good at? And it's important for you to be able to get in touch with yourself to answer these questions. And, you know, on the previous slide, we kind of spoke about um, connecting with your emotions, slowing things down, um, being more present. And you mentioned the chocolate. And the reason that picture was there was it's just around being present in the moment when we're engaging in different activities. And all of these things are kind of like building blocks. So you've got to slow down the pace, right, to be able to connect with yourself. It also helps you to be present in the moment. And when we can start to do those things, we can get to this next layer around being aware of our strengths and our weaknesses. And there's different ways to do this. So you know, you could journal what you think um, are some of your strengths and weaknesses. The other thing that I spoke about, and we, we talk about having this accurate perception of who we are, is if you've got a sense of, well, these are the things that I'm good at, um, what have other people told you that you're good at? It's important to ask family and friends that are close to you, what do you think are some of the things that I'm good at? What do you think are the areas in which I can improve? And it's then being able to match it up with your list because this is one of the ways that we can figure out what are our blind spots. Is the way I'm seeing myself the way that others in the world also see me. And we then start to have a more congruent picture of how I see myself. And the last one there that I mentioned around counting your victories. And I think also, you know, students, um, professionals in the world of work, we can so quickly move from one thing to the next. And I'm like equally guilty of this, right? That we don't stop to count our victories. And, you know, it could be, having attained that degree after years of study, years of sacrifice, sleepless nights, early mornings, but there's also stuff that we can count in our week, like the fact that you woke up early this morning to um, be able to finish that assignment. And this links also to, you know, the, the, the topic on procrastination that you spoke about last week, Peter, is when we are able to count those um, those small victories, you know, I, I woke up early, I completed this section of the assignment, um, I did these things that are on my to-do list, just the act of being able to do that releases this chemical of dopamine in our brain. And that's kind of that, uh, that, that rush that we get, that sense of achievement. Yes, I've ticked it off. I feel good about myself. These are all things that actually add to knowing yourself better and liking yourself. Because it's one thing to know yourself. It's a whole other thing to like and appreciate and accept yourself. And counting those small and big victories goes a long way to building our confidence. Love it, Natasha. Thank you so much. And I'm sure there's a lot of psychoanalytical uh, research that went into Facebook's like button um, because, I mean, that release of dopamine is heavily associated with um, social media and perhaps there's some, some sort of negative aspects of that. And we certainly don't advocate for social media, you know, as a distraction. And we spoke about that previously with regards to procrastination, but used in the right ways and something that we spoke about last time as well and something that people can perhaps, you know, join our Facebook group and put into action in terms of what Natasha was talking about here was to, you know, share your victories and share your success like Ramona has done 
you know, when she used the Kanban board and she burnt her boats and she got lots of likes uh, in our Facebook group for having completed those law units within the deadline that she committed to everybody that she was going to get it done so that she focused her mind and actually overcame the distractions and could be successful as a result of that and sort of experience those associated um, emotions with that. So I put the link into the chat there. And uh, that's an opportunity for everybody to get feedback, count your victories. But I think there is certainly that internal aspect and that self-reflection of slowing down and finding a quiet space away from social media, away from all the distractions and relationships and pressures, et cetera, where you experience and you, you know, practice that self-awareness. So I think, you know, great to get the balance there, Natasha, um, that is extremely useful for us uh, uh, all today. And then I guess just the last topic, um, also fantastic, you know, really sort of action-orientated ideas here that people can take, Natasha. So, you know, sort of as we start wrapping up today, you know, what do you suggest perhaps even as people finish this webinar, you know, it's a lovely sunny Friday afternoon, uh, people are looking ahead to the weekend, you know, there are those aspects that came through in the word cloud. Just sort of, you know, lead us on as people, you know, exit this webinar and how can they take what they've learned today and then, you know, derive fulfillment from these practical um, sort of actions that you've got up here on the screen. Yeah, so I mean, like I said, Peter, all of these build on each other and you you need to be able to, to do the slowing down um, before you can, you know, have an appreciation of who you are. And this, this, this piece around being able to enjoy what you do and derive fulfillment from the things that you do. I remember two weeks back, somebody had asked around, you know, how do I stay motivated to um, my studies while I'm working full time? And this this kind of speaks to a couple of things, right? So first thing around being able to get clear on your passions is, is quite linked to our motivation and us being able to set goals. And again, this is so high level. And I think each of these um, each of these aspects could probably um, we we could have a whole webinar on each of these aspects alone, right? But there's a couple of questions that I would like to ask if you're going like I'm not even sure what my passion is. These are some of the things, right? If I had to ask you these questions, it might give you an indication of, is this a passion for me or not? So would you do it for free? If you had the opportunity, would you do it for free? Um, what do you think about when you wake up in the morning? What do you think about when you go to bed? Because a passion is often something that's quite often on our mind. It's also the thing that we tend to talk to our families um, to our family and friends about. So what are some of the things you're talking to your friends and your family about? And another component of whether something's a passion for you is when you are doing this particular activity, you actually just lose track of time and you tend to feel so energized at the end of it. You, you go like, oh, where did all the time go? But it's not like, where did all the time go? And I'm really tired and I'm really drained. It's where did all the time go? And I'm just really energized by what I've been doing. So this is perhaps just a little bit of an indication of some of the things that could be a passion in your life. And when I speak about figuring out your motive, it's really around having a big enough reason to want to do something. So, you know, if you ask me the question, how can I stay motivated to to complete my studies whilst I'm working full time? The question I would ask you is, why are you why are you um, studying at the moment? Um, and I, I do offer this in terms of my practice around being able to figure out your motivate to figure out your motivation, and then link that to being able to set your goals. But all of these are linked, right? So 
it is about being able to answer the question, why are you doing something? Why is that a goal in your life? Um, and I think also linked to, you know, what you shared about last week, Peter, in, in terms of being able to break these things into smaller chunks. Um, it is around having having a strong enough connection to why you're doing something. And in, in, in psychology, we kind of speak about being intrinsically motivated versus extrinsically motivated. And when we talk about emotional intelligence, it is about intrinsic motivation, doing something because it brings you internal sat satisfaction um, versus being able to do something because of an external reward. So I'm doing this because I get a salary at the end of the month. I'm doing this to make some extra money. I'm doing this because I like to be recognized, um, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. But when we talk about emotional intelligence and actually having the resilience to push through the setbacks that we face, we strive towards being intrinsically motivated to do something. And that is why I talk about having that big enough why. And lastly, writing down goals, right? It's great to know why you're doing something and to have a goal, but that 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 action of actually taking that, writing it down somewhere, putting it up where you can see, whether it's creating a vision board. Um, I like to have mine written down. I've got it in a book and I keep it, like I've got my goals written down in a book and it goes everywhere with me. Um, and I've actually thought about printing it and putting it in a photo frame on my desk because it's just a reminder. It's that signpost that keeps you on track um, and is also very linked to how you choose to spend your time. So yeah, that's um, in a nutshell, very quickly <laughs> going through these three aspects of figuring out um, you know, why you're doing what you're doing and gaining enjoyment and, and fulfillment from those activities. Mm. Natasha, I love the fact that you mentioned uh, intrinsic motivation, and I've actually I, I have an online course on team motivation, but there's a lot of application to individuals as well. And I go into, you know, for example, Daniel Pink's ideas of intrinsic motivation around mm -hmm. autonomy, mastery, and purpose. And as you say, there's a lot of depth to you know any of these topics. And if people are interested, certainly in the motivation piece of it, you know, hop into my course there. A lot of the application is there, as I say, a little bit more into teams, but teams are certainly a part of everybody's life, and there's a lot there that you could learn and I've sort of opened up that course for free access uh, for people to get into that today. Natasha, I did just want to pick up on a couple of points and questions that people raised um, in the chat before we uh, finish off today. And the first one was just um, this point here from Gianna around uh, the book Bulletproof, Becoming Bulletproof, which I'm not aware of. You might have heard of it, but she does recommend it there for self-discovery and awareness. I don't know if you're aware of Natasha. No, but thank you so much for sharing, Jenna. I'm definitely going to go and check it out. Mm. And then Boykanyo says, I always allow myself to feel crap I need to, but I find myself experiencing emotional difficulties from past memories more often than not. How do I deal with that? So I guess there's probably uh, quite a bit of depth that one can go into, which we don't have time for now. But Natasha, just your thoughts about what she says at the beginning of this question here, allowing yourself and the sort of you know, willingness to experience that um, without blocking it and being too hard on yourself, et cetera, which I think you did touch on uh, in the discussion we've had today. Yeah, so, yeah, I'm just reading this. I allow myself to, I always allow myself to, to, to feel, cry if I need to. At the moment, you're going through some emotional difficulties. So, I mean, I think you're doing, 
in terms of giving yourself the time and the space to be able to experience what you're feeling is is the first is the first step. And I mean, I'm not sure of the um, the events surrounding some of these past experiences. And you know, I often say to people, if it is something that does require professional advice or psychological help to be able to access the professionals that are able to offer you that. Um, but yeah, look, the, the the starting point is is being able to give yourself the space and the time. And you know, so often we are aware of what we're feeling. We even understand um, what we're feeling, but we're just too afraid to um, to allow ourselves to lean into those emotions. And sometimes, the sooner we actually allow ourselves to lean into those emotions we start to realize that the intensity of that emotion actually starts to dissipate. So mm. there's a couple of things here, right? Awareness, um, but then creating the time and space to allow yourself to just lean into that. Um, but I think sometimes we're fearful. We're actually fearful that if I allow myself to feel what I what I think I, I'm feeling at the moment, I may never recover. Um, so last question, Natasha, Rochelle just asks here, I've had, I currently had a meet with my supervisor. I had to control my emotions as to not lash out. I'm walking around with this feelings to approach her. So this is going a little bit more into the practical application of, you know, there's the situation, there's the emotion, there is a degree of control, but now the sort of resolution process of it, and specifically in a very relevant and common context a lot of people will be experiencing, which is with regards to your supervisors, um, which can sometimes be quite a tricky relationship to manage. So last thoughts on this question, Natasha, and then we'll start to wrap up. So there's a couple of other emotionally intelligent skill sets that we need to draw. I think in terms of this particular example, there's there's um, there's stuff to be said around empathy. There's also a huge thing that I talk about in terms of reality testing. And I don't know again the details around this particular um, this particular situation. Rochelle, I'm more than happy if you want to reach out to me and we can definitely talk about it more offline. But there's, you know, there's kind of the interplay of empathy, interpersonal relationships, reality testing, and ultimately then making a decision as to how to be able to to handle this. Um, I'm glad that you were able to control your emotions in that situation because I don't think lashing out may have been perhaps the most productive or useful expression of that emotion. Um, but yeah, look, let's we've got to tap into a couple of other skill sets to be able to come to the appropriate course of action. Thanks, Natasha. I think we'll wrap it up for today. And just a reminder to everybody, including Rochelle, as Natasha has indicated, it would be worth to get into that in a little bit more detail. And uh, Natasha does these Make a Difference Mondays where, you know, if you need a free consultation, uh, do hop onto a website and book one there. Obviously, only one per uh, person, but uh, you know, perhaps Rochelle, that's something that you want to uh, think about there. And uh, yeah, once again, Natasha, just great, uh, great feedback today. And Natasha, I think people can look forward to future sessions as we unpack a little bit more detail in each of these aspects of emotional intelligence. Do you want to touch on that quickly and then just uh, wrap up and say goodbye from yourself, Natasha? And thanks again very much for your time today. Yeah, look, thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Peter. Like I said, such a broad topic. We could talk about so many different aspects. Um, and yeah, I just hope that it's 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 been beneficial. And if you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to me. Um, I'm, I'm really happy to engage offline. But thank you for the opportunity again, Peter. 
No, that's great, Natasha. And we'll put all the detail um, of our future webinars uh, on other topics related to emotional intelligence in the Facebook group. And of course, those will all be live here on YouTube. So I put the links to the Facebook group and the YouTube channel in the chat. So please do join us in the Facebook group where you can also take action as uh, regards to some of the points that Natasha has raised today. But then you'll also get the latest updates on the events and particularly when we talk to Natasha again uh, in more detail about uh, additional aspects of um, emotional intelligence. So Natasha, thanks very much. And Kuval, who we you know, sort of had a little bit of a discussion around one of their questions earlier in the session, uh, just indicating they're very grateful uh, for the seminar. And Jade, who is certainly a regular uh, in these sessions, thanks for joining us again today, Jade. Great topic. Thank you. We're going to have you know a few more of these, but we'll keep uh, you updated in the Facebook group, as I mentioned. Natasha and everybody, have a super weekend. Put some of those things into practice. Uh, you know, in the next couple of days, guys. You know, make sure that you um, go back on this recording, uh, go through it, uh, take the time. Uh, these are insights that will really make the difference for you in your. Uh, a career and your studies there. So from Muzi, fruitful webinars, worth our time. Thank you so much. Natasha, all the best. Chat to you soon. Bye-bye, everybody. Cheers, guys. Thanks, Peter.